Hello and welcome to the Digital Twin Fan Club podcast. I am here with Jonathan. Hi. And Ian Gordon from How is England. Hello, returning supporting character. Great to be here. Thank you, our, our biggest fan. And uh, Joanna White. Hi everyone. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So um, I guess uh, a sensible question would be, what is it that you both do for How is England? People want to hear the the interesting work that you do. And Joanna, do you want to give us a give us a, a quick summary of what you do? So I am currently the acting roads development divisional director for Highways England. So I work in our safety engineering and standards department, and I'm responsible for environment, intelligent systems, um, and energy and um, road design. And I guess uh, you know one of the sort of key areas of work that I've been involved in is running um, connected autonomous vehicle trials on the strategic road network, as well as um, looking at the the algorithms that sit behind our traffic management system and how they work. So, maths, sensors, and AI, and how how do we? design around those sorts of things. Absolutely, absolutely. So how do we understand how traffic is moving on our network and how do we best manage that to um, maximise safety, um, give people smooth journeys and and in a sustainable fashion? So so what does a typical day in your life look like then? Oh, well, lots of meetings, I think it's fair to say. I mean, I can be talking about... um, Uh, how we're progressing against our environmental metrics. So, um, you know, how we're delivering against uh, noise, uh, mitigating uh, noise important areas, um, mitigating air quality on the network. Um, I could be talking about um, how we're progressing against some of our connected vehicle trials um, uh, and also looking at um, how we are, well, signing off um, uh, revised um, design standards that fit into our design manual for roads and bridges so yeah very varied to be honest uh, along with all the kind of management um, activities as well so when you go on long trips on the motorways you you see the world in a completely different way to your average road user i'd imagine i'm yeah i'm a bit geeky really so i will um drive along usually as a passenger because i quite like that so i can have a good look and a a good sort of um study of what's going on but you know what's on our signs you know if i see a traffic jam on the other side of the of the motorway i'll have a look backwards to see what signs are set as a passenger of course i would not do that as a driver um but, you know, just having a look, uh, seeing the signs that are set. Um, my husband works for Highways England as well. So you can imagine the fun conversations that we have in, on our car journeys on the network. Um, you know, uh, just thinking about things like, you know, when we've got our journey times displayed on our message signs, does it look right? Does it does it give give the information that, that we'd expect? What's the customer service? Um, I have um, also um, on various journeys phoned in our customer line. So I I saw a bus full of school children um, on one of our hard shoulders traveling back from Birmingham one day. Again, I was a passenger phoned in and just let our um, traffic officer service know that they were there and uh, make sure somebody could could attend. So, yeah, always on the lookout for what's what's happening on the network and uh, usually commenting on other driver behavior. (laughs) A fun fun task. So you kind of like a. a highway superhero then just, 
just like bird's eye view of what's going on, notifying people of problems, and then going back to the office and improving the process that kind of sits behind them in the first place. Oh, I'm very flattered that that uh, I get described <laughs> like that. Some last week I went, I went to a real life conference last week, so the wow. ITC hub in Farnborough, uh, run by Logistics UK, was was absolutely fantastic. Got to talk about autonomous vehicles there and and the reality of them and. Uh, Somebody referred to me as the Queen of Cav, which again, I was like, oh, yeah, lovely. I'll take that. Just little tiara. I'll do me. <laughs> so how do you and Ian work together then? What's the, Obviously, Ian is data, data algorithms, super sciencey stuff. What's the relationship in, in Highways England between your role and Ian's role then? So, uh, so uh, clearly, we work with a lot of data. So understanding the data coming from our sensors on the network, um, looking at new forms of data as well. And I think this is, you know, one of recent examples working with Ian is how do we take um, data from vehicles travelling on the network and how do we ingest that onto our data as a service platform? And, you know, having that platform there in the first place is, is you know, so important just to be able to make sure that, you know, that data is accessible to everybody in the business and that we're not repeating calculations more than once. Um, you know, we've got that integrity around the data as well. Uh, thank you for the endorsement. I appreciate that. Uh, we're here to do the plumbing. Um, it feels like, Joanna, in, in a way, you're here to sort of set out the, the operating model and, and the role that Highways England plays in a in a world where most people don't drive their cars all the time. And we know that we're going to need some pretty intensive data infrastructure to support that. And I think, crucially, it, it's going to require that infrastructure to work in concert with much bigger, more complicated companies than um, than we than we're used to, like Highways England's existing relationship with the, the Googles and the Teslas of the world is, as far as I'm aware, pretty minimal at the moment. But we're not going to have that luxury in the next 20, 30 years. We need to understand where we where we stand. And, and I guess collectively, Joanna, at some point this becomes a digital twin by default, right? I think so. Yeah, I think, you know, with the, you know, we've got got sensors on the network. So we've got a, a series of fixed sensors collecting, you know, um, speeds and flows um, every minute or so coming into the sort of central system um, giving us that kind of impression of, of what is actually happening on the network. And we can model that by setting out where those sensors are in relation to where our signs and signals are. And we can manage, you know, whether it's protecting the back of queues or managing the congestion uh, by reducing speeds and smoothing out traffic, we can do that, um, making sure that we use that relation of where that data is coming from to where we've got our signs and signals. And that's today, and that's that's for me, that's very much with the algorithms underpinning all of that and the, and the computer systems and you know the DAS as, as well, all of that forming that digital twin of today. What's a DAS? The data as a service platform. So this is the idea that Highways England should should own and manage a single source of truth for its for its data. So whether you're in whether you're building roads or operating them or or planning the roads of a, of the future, you should have a a consistent view of um, of what's out there uh, and and preferably an ontological view of how it all fits together so you can understand how it functions as a system. I was I was wondering like one of my the, my favourite features of this podcast over the episodes has been your debates as to as to what does and does not constitute a twin. 
I was wondering, like, at what point does a traffic management system become a digital twin? Good question. So our, our resident host of the game show that is, is it or not a twin, <laughs> is, is with us. Jonathan, Hi. kick us off. Where's your sequin jacket? We so we to, did um, actually we did actually debate this on the conference that was hacked, um, if I remember rightly, and it was very much split. I don't know whether you'd uh, been hacked out of the the conference by that point, Ian. It was split down the middle of when we voted on is a is a like a traffic management center a, a digital twin or not. The response back was from the people that said no. It's because there's no sensors in the cars. It's no. From my perspective, I think it is a digital twin because you're getting kind of real-time data of a, of a thing. So the, the traffic management center is saying there is cars here, uh, there's, there's, there's congestion here, therefore you need to slow it down further down the motorway. In my opinion, uh, it was very much split. Now, digital twin's an analogy, so there's no defined definition, but it was it was split down the room on that space. We are going to, to redo the, uh, the game show on a, uh, a live streamed conference in a few weeks so um we can happily bring that one back to the table again if you want for a further a further more robust debate so what are your thoughts on that i could see some nodding and some some smiles from the cameras when i was saying things there so so what are your thoughts on it so, so i th for me the interesting statement you made was the bit about there's no sensors in the cars and and i disagree with that because there are sensors in cars, cars themselves with the, the, you know, some of the functionality they've got on board through their computer systems are sensors in them. And, and the ingesting vehicle data project that we've got working with Ian is very much about taking the data that is being transmitted from vehicles, whether it's the fact their windscreen wipers are operational or um, they're braking. That you know that is giving us information about the environmental conditions um, that they're driving through, and the you know speed of of the vehicle itself is is a is a good indication. And and even if you don't think about the vehicle itself, people have mobile phones in their vehicles, hopefully not using them whilst driving. Um, uh, you know, but that the data you know you can get information from mobile phones that are just polling in and that's a piece of work that I did back in long time ago um, when I was you know very young working at TRL uh, uh, looking at how you use mobile phone data for traffic information so I think you know there have been sensors out on the network moving around those the vehicles have had them in there for years so I, I would argue that point. Were you involved with because uh, on my Audi sat nav where it the, the live um, traffic updates are phenomenally quick when there's like 10 cars together it appears as a, as a jam on the sat nav within a mm -hmm. couple of minutes based on is that that's based on mobile phone clusters isn't it is, is my correct there have oh, I totally it, made that up? it it could it depends where the sat nav's getting getting its data from but it, it could be from mobile phone based data it could be from other sat nav based data it you know, so is there a bunch of stuff there? That, yeah, it could be a whole fusion of data. And I mean, that's that's certainly something which we you know, need to explore more in the future is, you know, we've got low, such a rich set of data sources that we could bring together to, you know, add value to the data that we're already collecting from our fixed sensor network. This is an interesting point because, you know, we look at tyre degradation in Formula One 
there isn't a tire degradation sensor. It's it's a series of data sets and observations that come together to make a guess on on what that tire degradation is. And back to your where a car is, I don't think it's it's not that a car needs a sensor for it to be in a digital twin system. It's 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 the fact that you're measuring it, and that measurement can be anything from the phone or purposely built telemetry in the car all the way through to it could be a person standing on a gantry with an iPad just pressing yep. every time a car goes past, right? As long as you're measuring it, um, that measurement has a level of complexity, latency, and frequency, and uh, and friction. And that's that's the if you're going to measure it and then represent it in a, its digital context, then therefore is a twin. Done. Sorry, Ian, you're uh, <laughs> <laughs> you was going to say something. I was probably going to oversimplify, but to me, the what's interesting about where we're going is at the moment the systems are loosely coupled, right? So, with the exception of floating vehicle data, um, which is the mobile phone data, there isn't really any direct dependency that I'm aware of, and Joanna probably knows better than me between the world of some someone's automobile driving on the road and the world of operating the road network. Um, and what's interesting about the ingesting vehicle data project, which is us subscribing to vehicle feeds that are made available by virtue of something that happened in the European Union that I'm not completely aware of, is it's kind of challenging that loosely coupledness in that there's clearly a vast array of information that's now available that we have not had access to before, but our ways of working as a, as a road operator haven't caught up with that yet. So we're, we have a bit of an adoption gap here of here's a terabyte of information about BMWs and whether their wind wipers, windshield wipers are going. What are we going to do differently as a consequence of that? And, and I think that's a really fascinating question. It's definitely one that gets us into digital twin territory. And it's definitely one that I haven't personally been smart enough to figure out the answer to. So do you think you could get to a point where so if you're ingesting um, and our missions data is probably going to be a bit useless in the next 10 years. In fact, it, it might be completely useless in the next 10 years because they're getting banned. But do you think you'd be able to take data from cars of various different sort, various different types to basically improve the design of the road network in the future? As an example, X road isn't particularly efficient because we designed it this way. Therefore, the next time we do it, it needs to be like this. Yeah, so we, we can see heavy braking events and that sort of thing, which which could imply that the, the road's being configured in a way that is making people do things that they'd rather not do. It's a very clumsy way of phrasing that, but you know what I mean. But again, it's how do you then integrate that into the process of the designing and maintaining and, and changing the, the road network? Um, There's it, clearly something possible there, but I think what makes Joanna's job interesting, if if, if you if you want my opinion, is is trying to close that gap and, and actually make use of this information. That's interesting. One of the things I'm going to ask my um, personal excited question now, the idea of having a, an autonomous vehicle network in the UK where maybe not 100% of vehicles are autonomous, but the majority are, kind of really excites me. Even though I really enjoy driving and I enjoy cars, the idea of having vehicles that you just hop in and they take you to a place and they drive off, I think is brilliant. Um, I think it'll unlock, a, it'll, it'll fundamentally change the way we use cities, the way we use towns, the way businesses operate every on multiple levels. What 
what steps does our country have to go through and probably globally as well to kind of get to that point because at the moment our entire um society is built on the road the idea as soon as you design any any town city development it's like how do we get vehicles in there basically and do you, do you think there's gonna be a point where that starts to shift i've worked on one project where autonomous vehicle or the, or, or, or the autonomous vehicle was brought into into play where we did a multi-story car park and it was designed to be reconfigured to be autonomous vehicle friendly basically so do you think we're going to get to a point where we start changing the way we design to to encompass the autonomous vehicle moving forward if, if i start off and i th i think for me the, the key thing around um encouraging you know uh, more use of autonomous vehicles and that that kind of um well that it's accepted as a as a vehicle of choice and it gives that service is building that that customer trust and i so looking at the, the connected and autonomous vehicle trials that we've run so far that the focus for us has been very much around safety clearly it's you know it's our number one imperative in highways england but it's very much about how do you support companies to safely trial um, autonomous vehicles on the network so we worked with nissan on the human drive project looking at applying our safety risk governance um, approaches to say you know if you're going to take this vehicle from cranfield up to sunderland um, when it's on our network what kind of infrastructure is it relying on um, are there elements of our network where it's it's going to struggle through um you know roadworks for example how does it cope how does it recognize different roadworks layouts and 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 things like that so it you know for me it's very much about a you know proving the technology and demonstrating the technology but then making sure that from a customer user point of view the service is required and that um it, you know i think it will be different in urban environments i think you will see different vehicle types different services um, and then that interface between that kind of urban and interurban journey um you know do you have then hubs that you interchange at for for long distance autonomous journeys and then how do you look at autonomous trucks for example and and um, where's the future with that i think i think the the trucks is probably harder at, at this time um just because of our the infrastructure of our road network is it, it's it all packed into quite a compact um, area. So not like, say, America or Australia, where you have lots of long straight roads. We've got lots of windy roads, you know, going back to Ian's point about do you see lots of um, braking um, situations and things like this? You know, how do we, um, it, you know, run those kinds of vehicles on, on that the network that we've got in the UK? It's really interesting. Because and I guess for the for the listener, you know, Highways England actually has a specific scope. And I'm going to test my knowledge of this now and see if I get it right. So you have the strategic no roads network and it, the, you're, you're essentially in charge of the main arteries. So, you know, basically traveling between ports and main um, and main pieces of infrastructure and then and then sort of the A roads that spine off that then getting to sort of local authority ownership. And is that is that about right? Yeah, motorways and major A roads. Yes, correct. Um, so and uh, so the reason I mentioned that is because I'm surprised when you say about where what you're focusing on first. And we seems that you're talking about the, you know, the 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 driver of a car and autonomous vehicles from a 
a consumer perspective, um, I would have thought, considering the nature of the roads that's under your jurisdiction, that actually freight would have been further up um, or, uh, the list because, and it's interesting you said it's more complex because in my head, a truck and the roads that they're on and the uh, the patterns of their travel are far more uh, simpler than mm. humans driving cars to random places that they're going. Um, so I, I don't know, could you expand on that? It's quite interesting. It wasn't what I was expecting. It, yeah, it, and it, it's a point that came up last week in, in, in the conference as well, very much about, you know, it, it all sort of really underpinned by working with industry. So if I take the, you know, the focus so far has been on car journeys because, um, the you know it was Nissan came uh, with a with a consortia wanting to trial a, a you know a car on the network. At, at the moment, we haven't had any approaches from um, freight companies as yet to trial autonomous freight on the network, and and always welcome to to look at that because I think you know um, over time you know we have to look at how does the fleet change we want to be looking at all vehicles um we want to be looking at you know not just autonomous cars we want to be looking at autonomous vans and and trucks as well but really it, it's that engagement with industry and that conversation with vehicle manufacturers um that we, you know we need to have more of to to understand um you know what is that what's the business case for making these happen things happen hey. I guess, to, Ian, you're listening to that. Does it does it fill you with with dread, excitement? What's what's what sort of the? Because you're 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 the you're in that team that's got to do the plumbing for this, right? So, how does that make you feel? I think what's really interesting about the question is it's it feels like it's kind of still up for debate as to what Highways England's role is, you know. And there's the extremes, you know, we could just potentially edge computing is just always the way for connected vehicles. And and so we have basically no more role to play in the future than we do now. Just get out of the way, basically, and let Elon Musk solve all the problems. Or potentially there are fundamental computational limitations to what it's possible to do in a moving platform. And you do need a much more profound infrastructure around it that would take Highways England more in the direction of the network rails of the world where we basically control the signaling infrastructure and at the moment we're sort of somewhere between those two realities and i guess building on what joanna said my question to her would be like what are the kind of it's not like we're going to wake up one day and this is finished like what are the intermediate steps do you see there being some sort of like uh, well, I, I used to live in California and they had uh, like special lanes for like carpools and that sort of thing, which meant you could skip the traffic, which was great. Would, could there be some sort of intermediate solution like that where, where essentially we start to segregate parts of the road network because we're not ready for the full road network to be available? That's definitely an option. And, and certainly we've looked at, you know, in the past we've looked at high occupancy Late, you know, lanes as, as an example of how we could, we've thought about segregating out sort of traffic um, in the past. Um, one of the um, projects um, working on at the moment around freight platooning. So, you know, looking at the feasibility of, of, of that in the longer term. And, and one of the questions is, is, do you set aside a particular lane for those kind of 
you know, any platoon vehicle, for example, um, I, I don't think, well, we don't know the answer to that yet, um, but it's, it is certainly an, an option of how do you structure, um, and th this goes back to look at, you know, the future of roads, if you had um, everything via, say, heads up displays, you could configure the road to the traffic, what, you know, wanting to use the road at that time. I mean, it's a bit Blade Runner-esque, but, mm. um, you know, mm. it, it, it is an, op an option to look at. But I, I think, you know, Ian, you're right about, you know, what is our role as a network operator in the future? And, you know, we could go from um, controlling all the vehicles to all the vehicles controlling themselves like hive mind or whatever and we just provide the platform the physical platform for them to do that on i think there's a really interesting regulatory question around what kind of legislative changes would be required to move Absolutely. to a paradigm where highways england can instruct vehicles to do mm -hmm. things rather than just suggest <laughs> i hate to suggest that speed limits at the moment are just suggestions but you know like you can clearly break them if you want to how do we transition to a world where like your vehicle refuses to break the speed limit that is a fascinating thought that i never thought of, about before but before we do uh freight platooning is the name of our bands that we're going to start after this um <laughs> that's that's just going to happen well our first gig will come to you soon um anyway um that's this really because it's i'm assuming that you have some form of primary legislation somewhere that means that you get to issue a sign that tells someone what to do right so you, you i mean i don't know how that works but like you you have that for telling sorry suggesting to people what to do i, I can appreciate what you're saying though and i'm assuming you must want to start the kicking off the conversation of doing that in the digital space because i mean i'm just thinking of the, the basic function of my car my car will read a sign it can adjust mm -hmm. its adaptive cruise control to the speed and i don't i mean i don't have to touch the wheel or anything um it, it, for 12 seconds wherever it is and i have to put it back on before it shouts at me but it, 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 is that is that right is do, do you have a, do you have a special status when it comes to placing a sign in the design and does that go back to some i was gonna say folklore i don't quite mean it in that way but it, it's it, it is it, it, it does the law already exist and it's just purely about the scope of that in the sense of instead of it being human eyes slash machine eyes to um i guess the concept of the naked road there's no signs but all that all these geo tags are in place that say that pass the instructions i think so I definitely know where we're head, heading um, with all of this and Highways England is a part of that legislative jigsaw. I would, I would, so under the Highways Act we have various um, regulatory um, and statutory requirements on us, um, but in terms of legislation, particularly around the kind of, you know, future vehicles, um, and, and, you know, that side of it is very much sits with Department for Transport, the Centre for Connected and Autonomous Vehicles um, and, and us working with them. So, you know, um, together to look at, for example, if you look at automated lane keep systems, um, you know, working with them to, to look at which vehicles they could license to operate this function, for example within the kind of operational design domain of the motorway i suppose if, if we go back to talking about um 
like the traffic management centers imagine this world where we're at this point where that there are autonomous vehicles everywhere they would become kind of the the optimization and the safety centers wouldn't they where they're monitoring the network they can see the cars they can they can see the vehicles they can see the occupancy they can see where that vehicle's headed they can see where it's been and they can kind of like optimize that entire network in a way see where the the pinch points are mm. and that kind of stuff and that would be the the digital twin there'd be no debate there then because it would be this is the network as it is this very second um in a, in a lot and that's quite an interesting concept the idea of this kind of and i suppose that's where you want to get to isn't it really or i mean it's going to be quite i, I don't know why but the idea for me the idea of a hybrid network is quite scary mm. because humans are a bit weird and humans make mistakes and humans fall asleep and even though there has been some instance with Tesla's doing some stupid stuff and humans are probably made a lot more errors in that time than a, a single Tesla has in America. But people don't see that because a human, it's just accepted that we make errors. And I, I think a hybrid system is quite a scary concept where half of it, half of it's autonomous, half of it's humans. How would, how do you think they'll get that kind of that balanced and think we'll just start accepting it as the norm? having an autonomous vehicle overtake you if you're driving under the speed limit because people guess, do that <laughs> yeah well yeah and the question is will you know it's an autonomous vehicle good point and how how will you know um not steering wheel <laughs> well it depends what speed it's going past whether you spot that but yeah. but you know will it be shaped differently will we you know will it have a i don't know some kind of livery on it or something like that but um it, i think like that takes us back to what does the road design look like do we have autonomous vehicle only lanes do we have driven you know human driven vehicle lanes uh again I, I don't think we're in a position yet to answer that but it's certainly something we need to consider for the future I think the really interesting question that you you kind of touched upon with talking about the DFT and uh, and CAV and so forth and, and edit this out if it's too political, but who who gets to be the controlling mind? Because mm -hmm. um, it's easy for us to assume well there are roads so we get to do it, but there's a digital capability gap that needs to be fulfilled for us to be able to do that. You know, if you've got all this data flowing in and we're like okay give us a second, we need to run our VBA macro on our spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah, people, no one wants that know, wheel, do they? Just <laughs> yeah. around in their vehicle. But it's a good, it's a good question, right. isn't it? If that all gets dropped out to Google, if that all gets pri privatised, for example, like that's a massive transfer of, um, of, a, of ability to the private sector, for example. Like, how that shakes out is going to be absolutely fascinating. And I think we have a role to play like, getting ourselves as ready to, to make a case for that as possible. Yeah, because it's, um, I mean, it's not as simple as this, but it's almost how the uh, infrastructure of the internet has enabled these sort of startup challenger banks against the finance system, right? It's, um, there's some there's mm. a nuance of digital infrastructure that means that people can um, develop capabilities that would be the same as what you cover today um and then then it becomes a question of you know because the the same is true 
not for the not it, we just forget about the private sector for a moment but in the public sector space the digital infrastructure throughout all of let's call it connected public services right, they're all really tricky problems and um we look at how someone like amazon has moved around you know it's developed a capability then moved on to the next and you know you know, which which government department's going to be running the autonomous highways is an interesting question because would that capability actually emerge from somewhere else don't know mm. gg is there is there a department that you look on in, in, with envious eyes that's <laughs> a random question <laughs> government digital services for example be interesting if the department for culture media and sports ended up running the roads because they were best at computers but um yeah it could happen <laughs> i guess one of the real challenges to me is like i'd be interested in joanna's take on this is like most of the roads are owned by local authorities and there's rather a lot of those so mm. like how on earth do you get to a controlling mind across literally hundreds of public sector bodies i wouldn't could haven't got a clue no, no, I mean, I think you make a really good point there. You know, we we run, what is it, 3% of the road, total road network in England. So, you know, wow. we're, we're a real minority in that sense, um, not in terms of the amount of traffic. But um, yeah, I, th I think coordinating all those different um, organisations is, well, that, that makes my brain hurt, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Well, is it, it's it's interesting. It's the other you say that, but so it only being three percent. So, is it? Do you become sort of another type of railway instead of? So, I'm thinking sort of the autonomous vehicle in the local context. But then, we're thinking about our automated vehicle superhighway, as it were. Um, you know, does it does it become more like a train line than a road service? Because I'm just imagining with highways you then got this whole thing around well humans aren't driving these things anymore um i can't remember the sci-fi book that um it was that said you know um you know the m4 would be uh, illegal to drive on with an auto or with a, with a an analog car it would have to be, you know you, you would by law have to have an autonomous vehicle to be on a highway and therefore the cars will be going at 300 miles an hour instead of 70 miles an hour and all that type of stuff. I wonder if it just becomes a more, it's like a hyper type of travel type thing than a road network thing. Lots of nods, go on. T t t what's, what, what's on your mind, Joanna? Oh, you just mentioned the word hyper, and uh, <laughs> I thought of this this product, you know, this, this innovation that somebody is developing um, and how, I I jokingly suggest that we should stick it in the central reserve of our motorways and use it to transport goods to start with. I, I do question oh. the ability of humans to travel at certain, you know, speeds for, you know, high speed, very high speed for a long period of time. Whether or not it, uh, the, you know. the hyperloop you're referring to. Yeah, I am. <laughs> I don't know if I was allowed to say it, whether or not that's it. And... <laughs> No, no, no. I, I think that's fine. It's a valid form of transport that's attempted to be developed. Other, other loops are available. Other yes. loops are available, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We can't, you can't travel as fast as them, though. So I, 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 in my head, the, um, the autonomous network is probably, it's going to develop in kind of an organic way, I believe. 
because you've got this kind of we've already had the starting point of things like um tesla and uh, fast chargers and then we're going to in the next 10 15 years everything's going to be evs and i would expect over the next 10 to 15 years all those evs will have some kind of uh, autonomous driving system within them and then we'll probably be in a position in the next 20 years where everyone's car has the ability to kind of drive itself in a certain way and the logical next step would be kind of just not having a car and just using an uber style autonomous vehicle app so i think that i think there's going to be an organic development of of autonomous vehicles i can't see it happening any other way just because of the nature of our society and capitalism and people want to buy cars and own cars and that kind of stuff you couldn't just draw a line in the sand and say everyone's autonomous today sorry sell your car or that'd be a business model where you own an autonomous car yourself and you can hire it out maybe maybe i've just created a business there possibly startup yeah. we can give it a good name platoon that's what we can call it i'm stuck on the word platoon now <laughs> so if you if you guys got a plan so I think I think our digital roads ambition and vision is 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 what we have as our plan for the the future road network or future strategic road network, and that covers not just the customer side, so what we call digital for customer, but but it covers digital operations. So very much, you know, what are the the control centres doing and how are we managing traffic on the network and also the construction and maintenance elements so the use of connected and autonomous plant um uh bim rapid engineering models all that that aspect of it as well that's something which will be launched in august so watch this space there we go hot announcement <laughs> yeah good plug there like that so, so ian you've been you've been running a should we call it an, uh, an interest group within sort of housing where you've been talking to i guess there's sort of people within house england doing things and then you've got you're inviting external parties in is there anything that surprised you with the conversation in that so far i think it's going back to your is it a, is it a twin or is it not game i think both the the power and the the failing of the digital twin concept is how how many touch points it has so mm -hmm. You know everything from traffic modeling to iot to you know just basic data management needs kind of has a role to play in that journey you know with the best will in the world that that takes a massive amount of coordination in an organization like highways england coordination that we're often not set up for because we're so used to part of the business just building stuff and part of the business running stuff and part of the business worrying about the future and these these are fundamentally problems that you need all of those groups to work together to solve efficiently at least and i think one of the things that's really stood out to me in this conversation is if the end goal is moving highways at least to becoming more like a railway network that that change is going to be have to be constant over the next few decades if only because we would need to change the safety standards you know you think about the massive change in organization that resulted in, from the hatfield rail crash where four people died clearly a tragic event very important that the, the industry sorted itself out but you know four deaths you know applied to the road network is is a is a is a fraction of the overall sum that we see every single year so how do we how do we get ourselves ready for that extra level of responsibility scrutiny performance 
it, it, you know, digital roads is going to be great, but it, it's only the first step in that much bigger transformation. And I think that is a great point for us to to end on and to think about. Just going to say there. And thank you. That's been it's been a great conversation. I've learned lots and got a new appreciation of what's ahead of us. And when next time I'm going down the M4, I'll, I'll think of you, Joanna, with the uh, what, what the signs are doing and what the traffic's doing. Obviously, if I'm a passenger, not driving. But uh, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Um, thank you for having us. You're you're very welcome, and it will be great to uh, if this venture lasts long enough. Um, maybe uh, come back and have a review against how the digital roads are doing. Thank you. Yeah, fabulous. Love to. Yeah, always a pleasure, guys.